Hey there, this is Emily Murphy with Grow What You Love, a show of unexpected stories of people and plants. And in this episode, I'm talking with Kevin Espiritu, the mastermind and talent behind Epic Gardening. He's also the author of Field Guide to Urban Gardening, How to Grow Plants No Matter Where You Live. But here's the deal. Kevin didn't set out to become a self-taught horticultural guru. He got his start in accounting. Well, actually, he studied accounting in college, but to pay his way through college, he played online poker, obviously on the winning side, and later found himself growing a garden when his mom said, hey, Kevin, I need you to do something with your brother to get him off the computer. Sound familiar? Don't you love this story already? Now, we recorded our conversation in June when Kevin was in the middle of what he calls his apocalypse challenge, where he's only eating food he's grown himself or food he's bartered for using food he's grown or food he's foraged for. In the process, I think he's lost about 13 pounds, but he's feeling really good. Join me at a San Diego home where we cook up one of his go-to apocalypse challenge recipes. Kevin, yeah. what is one of your go-to recipes mm-hmm. during this apocalypse challenge? I know you've grown a lot of potatoes. Yeah, so I've had to figure out as many ways to make them as possible, right? <laughs> and actually, funnily enough, I do not like a baked potato. I just don't. I just don't like... It's just too much grainy potato matter <laughs> in okay, one place. Okay. So I had to figure out ways to make them that were better. And so we've got four of these tiny little Norland potatoes, which will boil through pretty quickly, I think. And what I'll do is... I will parboil them so they're almost all the way cooked and then I'll take a potato masher and smash them down Mm -hmm. so they're kind of like flat-ish but they have all these crusty edges and then I'll just hit them with like herbs and spices and whatever and then hit them in the oven. To give them a little crisp And they become like a baked crisp potato. Something that's... Crash potato or smash potato I think it's called. And they're packed with flavor I bet because the herbs and the olive oil. It just infuses it and like sears it in. Yeah. I want to try that. Yeah, let's do it. Let's make some. Yeah, let's make some. Water in. Okay, so we're boiling them first. We're gonna, yeah, I think maybe 15 minutes or so. Just because you have to get it to the point where you can actually smash it and with and create the texture. Mm-hmm. I love that I'm talking about this like I'm a fancy chef. I've almost no cooking experience, <laughs> but I've learned a lot. So. Right. right, you have to if you're you on to. the apocalypse challenge. <laughs> you got so to. you're parboiling them just enough so you can smash them. That's all I want, yeah. Because the only reason I'm putting them in the oven is to get them to the point where they crisp, not necessarily that that's what's cooking them, you know? So we'll let that boil. I've got some garlic that I traded with my friend Randy. She lives up in Los Angeles, Freckled Californian on Instagram, but we did a little tomato for garlic trade. And so I've got four cloves of her garlic here that we'll probably add to that. And I don't even know, maybe if you want to wash these and I'll go run and grab yeah, some I'll wash these rosemary and you're the gonna, garden. okay, so yeah. rosemary, perfect. We're gonna flavor rosemary, them. Rosemary and then we've got some pickled veggies. So we'll, we'll be able to make a meal. Okay, so I'll wash these up. Potato one, potato two. So all these potatoes are pretty small. They fit into my hand, but it's Kevin's lunch. Maybe he'll let me have a bite when we're finished. I think I can persuade him. And the garlic smells amazing. There's a lot of garlic though, so maybe no one wants to get too close to Kevin after he has his lunch. (laughs) Don't tell anyone I said that. And there's these really lovely vegetables. I'm taking a picture of these. These are pickled vegetables that Kevin traded during his apocalypse challenge. There's jalapenos in there. There's carrots, cauliflower. Looks like some onions and dill, maybe. Yep. I think it's called a jardinier. 
The Jardinier. I, that's what I think it's called. Because I made it with my friend Carrie. Who's oh, a, you made it. Who's a master canner. That's a thing. Yeah, master it's a, canners. It's totally a yeah, thing. Yeah, like a master gardener. I want to become a master canner. Yeah, so she's a, she's a master. Can we add a few uh, hours into my day, please? <laughs> yeah. I can add that to my uh, list the, of things. The four-year journey or however long it is, who knows? Right, right. So these guys will be going in as soon as those boil. As soon as that boils. Okay. Usually put, I would skin them, but it doesn't really matter. I like the skins on. I like the skins on. Should we put a little lid on this so it boils faster? Oh, yeah, we should. Let's speed this process up. Well, let's get it cracked. We're hungry. Yeah, I don't want to wait. Down in here. <laughs> Even that lid, maybe? Doesn't have to fit perfectly. It doesn't Better than nothing. Okay. It works. All right. Style of my cooking. <laughs> Fly by the seat of your pants. Right. Do whatever. Yeah, so we'll do that. Oven's preheating. And the rosemary smells amazing too. The garlic oh, and the rosemary. So good. Yeah, what a combo. Right, so we're. And I've allowed myself one bottle of olive oil for the whole month for the challenge, so I can actually use it. I'm almost out though. Uh oh. So I'm scared. So someone's gonna have to send you some olive oil. <laughs> but who owns an olive orchard? There actually, right I know some people that press their own olives. Okay. They have olive trees up in the Sonoma County area. Okay. I, I will see what I can do. That would be a lifesaver. Okay. That would be a lifesaver. Okay, so I'm going to chop up this rosemary, and then it's simple. I mean, maybe we'll make some eggs or something with it, but it's been my go-to. It's either this is my go-to, or the other one that I've really liked is I looked up how to make diner-style hash browns. You know, the ones that are like super crispy? Yeah. And I had no clue that they did it the way they did it, but now that's the way I make it, so. How do they, did they shred them? So you got to shred them through the, the grater, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have to wash them three times to get the starch out, so that until the water runs clear otherwise they'll stick to the pan then you got to press them dry so no moisture at all or as, li as little as you can get then you throw you know decent amount of olive oil on the bottom of the pan but then once you form the little patty and you even it out you have to put a cover on top to steam cook the top so that when you flip the top it yeah. actually crisps instead of cooks because it's already cooked because it's already cooked because it's already cooked and then that's how you get it to be that flat like golden crisp and Every, evenly cooked all the way and through. And evenly cooked. Yeah, that's the only way I've found how to do it. It works super well, and it's actually really easy. I've, I've never actually made that either. My mom makes amazing, she just calls them shredded potatoes. Mm -hmm. But I don't think she does the washing three times part. Is it like more of like a fluffed up, crispy yeah. medley? Yeah. And, and they're cooked in a cast iron skillet. Yeah, yeah. So I do mine in the cast iron, but I, I don't, I make it one piece, like a Frisbee, you know? Like that classic, where they're all like together. <laughs> right, right. Just because I grew up eating that, so I, I was like, okay, well, I've got enough materials to make this every day, so I might as well. <laughs> might as well. I might as well learn it. And even though even though we're still in the process of cooking, yeah, it already sounds incredibly satisfying. Yeah. Like you know that when you finish this meal of these smashed potatoes, mm -hmm. and if you add eggs, especially, that you're going to be completely satisfied, and you're probably not going to be hungry until later this no, evening. When no. No. I mean, think about it. you got three eggs, 210-ish calories. I know all the calories now, you know. <laughs> um, potatoes, I think it's like 330 a pound. Uh -huh. We have a, maybe a little under a pound here, plus obviously some of the oil. It's a filling meal, and it's actually pretty balanced. Carbs, fats, proteins, you know. And you could eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you're no golden. No joke, yeah. It's, it's actually shocking. I think that's part of the reason why some of the weight has come off, because it's easy to be satiated while eating less calories than if you're going to the local Mexican food shop and getting a burrito, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Probably the same amount of fullness I feel while eating drastically less, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just whole foods, man. It works. Do you think there's something to also the fact that you're 
harvesting and then making your own food because through this process you're not just growing or bartering for your food but you're mm -hmm. making your food yeah yeah i mean it, it i will say it takes a lot more time yeah um, you have for to for sure you have to embrace the slow food you aspect. totally have to and i've noticed that especially if i want protein protein from a fish because only fishing right like the grunion run is something i did this year which for people who don't know it's it's one of the only fish that breeds on the beach Oh. So it comes up and lands on the beach. So it's, it's basically free protein. Like when are you going to get that many fish for free? You know? And so I ran around at midnight doing that a couple days and got tons and tons of them. But then I was up till 3 a.m. processing them all because you got to clean them and scale them and all that stuff. And so it's like just the drastic amount of time it takes to make these meals makes you appreciate them that much more, you know? And savor them. Like I don't right. want to sit there and scarf it down. I'll be like, right. oh, so a gr time. Yeah. I know. Mm -hmm. I completely hear what you're saying. Yeah. And would... Now I'm trying to picture a grunion. Yep. Oh, is the water boiling? It might be. It's Almost. close enough to go in, I think. Uh, yeah, I think so too. Smashed potatoes going in? Smashed well, pre-smashed potatoes. Yeah, we'll do a little timer action. Boom. 15 minutes. And I'll show you what the grunions look like if you want. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to see what they look like. Are they like what I would call surfish? Yeah, they are. They're basically sur what They're like a smelt type of fish. A smelt. And, yeah. and as a kid, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but as a kid, you hear and you pronounce things the way you hear them. Yeah. I call them surfish. Yeah. Even though they're probably surf fish. Surf fish. Yeah, just small little bait and fish. You would eat this. This is a bait fish, basically. It's a bait fish. Yeah. But my father did a lot of surf fishing. I'm yeah. going to use the way I pronounced it growing up. Yeah. And he would go out with a net shaped like a V. And the spaces between the the netting itself is maybe you know one inch between each of the spaces so it's oh, not super fine cast net he wouldn't cast net but he would stand out there so it's a v and if you imagine the the wide part of the not the wide part the i guess the narrow part of the v would be facing down and mm. and the narrow part coming up between his arms and yeah. he would he would kind of scoop it yeah he would scoop at the just... at the tide as it was coming in on the beach mm -hmm. and my brother and I would run around on the sand and pick them up with our hands and just clean and up. throw them into a bucket. Yeah, yeah. And he was catching them, of course, in bucket loads with the net, and we were catching ones and twos. <laughs> but it was such, it was definitely a game. It's a, and he was using them then for bait to fish then. No, or, we were eating them. We were eating them. We yeah. ate a lot of the, a lot of the food that we ate growing up was food that my father caught. You've done the Apocalypse Challenge for years then, because <laughs> I'm just getting into it. You've been doing it for a lifetime, it sounds like. We, well, that is, I guess, part of, I mean, my father grew up on a farm. And yeah, so it's in your blood, basically. Yeah. Check this out. We got Real Hens of Orange County. My friend Anne, that's her little tagline. And so I traded her, actually, I traded oh, her. Oh, and they're beautiful. I traded her grunion. For eggs. Oh, so she... She had no so, access to grunions. She's so getting she, 15 eggs a day. Right. You know? Yeah, so she received some grunions, and you have these beautiful eggs. And Look to just tell you what... Oh, and they have her... Every eat. hen is written on, so I know whose Which, egg I'm eating. <laughs> the name of the hen that, of the egg that I'm that eating. That is really special. So yeah. you're making that connection. So what's the what's the name of this chicken again? This is um, meringue. Okay, so meringue is, meringue's eggs are kind of an orangey mm -hmm. yellow. I'm this one I thought was really interesting, like dark, dark brown of, of Colonel Rock. Colonel Rock. So I guess this would be Colonel Rock too, because this is also dark brown. And then there's oh, no. some greenish eggs that look almost like a very mellow color of a robin's yeah. egg. Yeah, it's like a speckle almost. Lavender? Lavender's the name of that chicken? Aptly named, don't you think? Yeah, it's like kind I, of a, I do, actually. Let's see. Basilica? She's got some interesting named <laughs> hens. She loves her hens. She has an Etsy store where she sells, like, 
balms and salves that she makes from the garden, the owner of the store is RuPaul, one of her hens, not her. She's like on that <laughs> level. It's so, it's so funny. But yeah, so we're going to probably, well, you know what? I'll grab a couple of those out. Which ones are you going to choose? Let's have Colonel Rock's eggs. Colonel, okay, Colonel Rock's, these brown ones, these deep brown. Kind of this one too? Or this kind one? of a nutty brown, mm -hmm. yeah. Caramel brown or something? Yeah, let's just do two. Does she, does she leave her eggs out on a little stand and lets the neighbors come and buy them or does she not have enough I for think that? She, no, she for sure does because she'll get ten, minimum 10 a day, right? So mm -hmm. what, what is that, 30s? Yeah, it's like 70 a week. So she's getting enough. So she said, so she's funny. She's doing the challenge with me. She's one of the only other people who's doing it with me, her oh, and her husband. Okay. But she's well more prepared, drastically more prepared than I am. She's our actual homestead, you know? And so she has taken her eggs to market and then sold them for money and used the money to buy other goods for someone who maybe didn't want to trade her, but would accept money. Mm -hmm. So she was able to start getting quinoa and coffee and I'm like, okay, you're cheating the system. Oh, she kind <laughs> of is. Those she's not cheating makers. it, but she just has more resources than I do, you know? So it's been fun to watch her. And also I'm jealous because all her meals look way better than my meals, but that's just part of the game. So well, one day I will have the homestead. Well, I, I, I'm, I can assure you that there are many people who have garden envy for your garden that you have out sure. here. And yeah, your yeah little... it's all a matter of perspective, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we got to get these babies boiled. All right, so we're 10 minutes away from the potatoes being boiled. We have two eggs waiting on standby. The garlic is chopped. The parsley is prepped. Yeah. And we're yeah. counting down to food and eating. Counting down to food, yeah. And we'll do some of the jardinera, I guess, for the veggies. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, Amazing. I've been forcing myself to make simple meals because what else can I do? You know? I don't have a lot of other... It's, it, do I want to spend three hours making every single meal? No. no. So I just make the most basic. I just try to make them a little more interesting somehow by doing the smashing or doing you know, herbs, whatever. That's kind of how I, I cook all the time. Mm -hmm. I feel like if you have good ingredients, you can make amazing food. And yeah. it doesn't have to be fancy to be fabulous. That's what all the top chefs say, right? So you, I might as well listen to the people who do it for a living. Freshest ingredients possible, prepared simple. That's Gordon Ramsay's thing. You know when he goes, you ever see his kitchen, what is it called, Kitchen Nightmares show? I actually haven't. When he goes in, but the ones he does, the ones Sorry. he does in the UK, are way more friendly. He's way nicer in the UK. Um, and so he'll go in and all he does is he simplifies their menu by like 90%. He cuts like 90% of their menu and he cuts even the ingredients to their dishes so they're just fresher and prepared more simply. Mm -hmm. And then everything just goes up. Someone else I interviewed for a podcast, he's a music composer and he's also a chef. Yeah. He, he paid for the days when he was out on the road touring with his band before he started composing original scores for film by cooking. Oh, really? He was a professional chef and he oversold himself. He oversold uh. himself to get these chef positions, but he really was an accomplished cook. Mm -hmm. And he takes things to a whole other level. And one of his tricks is to use a mortar and pestle. And I think what he does has real value to it. So he takes a mortar and pestle, something you would think of as mashing up herbs for preparing them for some type of herbal medicine, yeah. say, or a tea. And he uses those to, say, mash up turmeric or peppers and all those flavors. And 
the expression of the flavors changes dramatically. Just when by he, the way he grinds them? The way he yeah. grinds them. Huh. It actually releases some of those flavor profiles of the plants that you might not otherwise experience. I guess it makes sense because when you're chopping, let's say you're chopping the rosemary like we just did, you're only slicing it, but you're not mashing it. Right. So you're not getting maybe some of the oils out or Which, the flavor? It blew my mind. I was like, of course, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So just as like an idea of like getting more flavor from your... I've been doing that with my greens. I forgot the way, apparently this is like a chef way of chopping that I didn't know, but if you take all the leaves and stack them on top of each other and then roll them and then chop them down in like strips, that's like, like, a, like a, a chiffonade? That's what it's called. Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah. So I was doing that just because I was like, oh, this is an efficient way to chop it. But then the way that the salad lays, it catches more of the dressing in different ways. So it's like, okay, it's a more, you could use more dressing, but it doesn't feel like you are because it sort of diffuses out through everything. Because it's coating Because not one fat leaf, you know, there's more surface area. Right. So I was like, hmm, that's a little fun little trick. Same thing, just prepared differently, right? Like you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. Same ingredient, just chopped up a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Five minutes left on these bad boys. From someone who's not a trained chef, but... I don't know. I did include recipes in my book. Stuff out. Yeah, yeah, I, sh I should. I, I, I think it would be cool to do, like, the Apocalypse Cookbook or something. You know, just, like, simple ways to make food. Limiting myself to, let's say, the most common ingredients ever and that you could anyone could grow. Uh -huh. And just say, okay, well, here's here's like four different ways to make your potatoes, or like here's like three different ways to make your. I, I think whatever. you're on to your next book. <laughs> That'd be cool. Zero credentials. He's making a cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> but but there's something to be said for that. Just yeah. the same way that you're the guy who is the least, the you know the person that people would least expect to become epic gardening. You studied accounting. Yeah. Your mom's like, hey, get your brother off the couch. Get him doing something. Mm -hmm. You were really getting yourself off the couch. Sure. Right. O outside the computer. Outside off the computer. Off, off the, the screen. Computer. And you created this world for yourself. Mm -hmm. And why not? Why not keep going to food and cooking? I'll do it in my own life, no matter what. If it ends up blending into epic gardening, that'd be cool, you know. But I, I, it is an interesting question of when does someone become an expert in something? You know what I mean? Because if I had gotten out of school with a horticulture degree, I would have that credential. I could have technically grown almost no plants while getting that degree. I could grow very minimal amount of plants at least, whatever the bare minimum was, and I would still have that degree, right? And someone would say, okay, well, this person has an expert degree in this field. What do I actually know though? Versus real life experience. Versus 30 years. I have guys that email me, you know, from reading the podcast or the blog or whatever. And actually a guy yesterday, Randy Williams, this guy always emails me. He's this old retired farmer, conventional, he was a conventional farmer. But now he's kind of organics, doing some interesting things. Because he's not doing it for money anymore. Just doing it for his own garden. And he just emails me all these little hacks that he finds. Like he scraped up all the pine needles and leaves from his, just everything that's falling around his property. Mm -hmm. And he's created basically a 12 inch layer of leaf mold slash pine needle mulch. Yeah. And then he looked at the bottom and he, and he picked up a small bucket full of European night crawlers. And then he, when he's falling asleep, he's like, okay, well, actually the bottom one inch should all be worm castings technically. And so he went out and he filtered out like a bucket full of worm castings for free. So he's vermicomposting his mulch kind of. In his yard. In his yard, yeah. That's just a random thing, right? And, but it takes someone like that to discover a weird little hack like that. He doesn't have a degree. It's just, you know, it's experience that becomes an expert for him. Right, and it allows him to 
grow his garden in a basically closed system because he's getting the fertilizer, mm -hmm. right? The amendments yeah. for his garden from his yard. Almost nothing is, yeah, almost no inputs, right? Right. I'm sure he does buy some, but he doesn't have to. So, yeah. Cool little, ha little hack. How are we doing here? 234. Let's see. I mean, we could do the fork test, right? Let's do that. Let's see if it's... Honestly, I think we're probably okay. I would guess we're okay, because as long as you can... I don't know, I feel like it might need a little longer. Let's have it go a little longer. I'll do it fast. I'll, I'll put the cover back on top to do it faster. There we go. Yeah. I know you talk about these things every day. You're, you're constantly offering pieces of education to your audience. and Again, through certain platforms such as Instagram or YouTube. Yeah. And now through your book, bits of advice. But if you were to give one piece of advice to someone who's just starting out in a garden, mm -hmm. who wants to grow a garden, who thinks they have a black thumb, maybe they want to get off the computer, maybe they want to find a way to eat better or eat more of the food they grow themselves, mm -hmm. close that system, what would be your one piece of advice? Or two or three? Yeah, so I guess the first thing I would say would be that I, I disrespect the idea of the black thumb or the green thumb. I just think it's kind of silly. Right, where it is, we don't say that about any other field. That's what boggles my mind is you don't say, you just have the musical thumb or whatever. You don't say that in almost anything else. You always credit the person's experience and hard work or dedication. Of course, there's natural talent in, on the planet. Of course that happens, right? But I don't think it exists in the way most people think that it does. So to say someone has a green thumb, like people will say, I have a green thumb now, but I didn't six years ago, so did I just magically discover a green thumb or did I just learn how things work, right? So that's how I think is, is I don't think anyone has a black thumb. I also don't think anyone has a green thumb. I just think you become better at that skill. And so I would say you should learn like anything. If you're gonna learn piano, you have to learn what are the keys, what are the scales and how do they all come together? You don't just immediately try to play Chopin, you know? So it's like, okay. Again, going back to simplistics, start with herbs, maybe your favorite herb, which for most people is probably like basil or thyme or rosemary. Yeah, or parsley. Parsley is a good, or cilantro is, actually for a lot of people. Which is great, because they take some shade. There we go. And here's our smashed potatoes yeah. are nearly ready. They're done we will get, power boiling. We will get this. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of is going back to what we said of, of starting out with something you like to grow that's really easy to grow, problem solved. And then just open your eyes and watch it instead of being like, do exactly this, exactly that, exactly this. Just, okay, does it need water? Probably, because I didn't want, you know, just you start, have to start thinking for yourself. Wait, we're smashing. Um, yeah, we're smashing. Okay, let's smash first. And there's this really cool tool. I'm gonna take a picture of this right now. This is actually the tool I use for pickling stuff, but it works really well for smashing. So you just kind of mess your potatoes up. <laughs> I mean. Mashing. Okay, that, I messed that one up. But the beauty of this recipe is messing it up only gives you more surface area on the potato, so it just tastes even better. There we go. Okay, that's all we need to do. Looks really dumb, yeah. but it ends up being really good. So we'll mix the rosemary and the garlic together, and then we're gonna grab salt from right over here. I forgot to say, I'm also allowed to use one thing of salt. Okay, you wrote that into the rules? Yeah, because it's either that or I have to like dehydrate salt from the ocean and I just didn't want to do that. So, 
hit some salt. We'll hit some of this little medley, whatever this you want to call this, garlic rosemary medley. And then I just hit it with the olive oil. And that's enough. I tried to do it without the olive oil, but I realized it won't get crispy if you don't. I don't know why, but. I think the olive oil too probably adds a certain level of umami. Just yeah. that rounding out and adding to that sense of satiation. Otherwise there's no fat to it. Yeah, the whole dish has no fat. I yeah. have to have a little fat with yeah. all my meals. So we just go And it's in good here. fat. It's basically olive juice, right? I don't even know. I wish I knew exactly how olive oil was made. It's just pressed like grapes. They just smash it? Yeah. yeah. And then the pulp and stuff is straight, straight off. Yeah, makes sense. I guess I just never really considered it. I need to go to an olive orchard, obviously. Yeah. Check it out. Up in Napa, and there's community olive presses, just like there's community oh, really? grape presses. You know what? I have a great uncle. When I used to go up to University of Pacific, the Feather River Inn, the week after we'd always go to my great uncle's cabin, and then his house in Chico, and he had olives on his house, or on his property, and he never wanted to deal with them, so he just let the olive club, or the oil club, or whatever, come through. And they would, I think they would do the pressing and in exchange he would get some, mm -hmm. maybe like a two bottles or something, but it's, the rest they would sell. But it's the best olive oil you'll ever have. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I was a part of an olive, we, we, I went to an olive picking party and it, one, it was a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, mm -hmm. but it's a lot of fun. It's like picking blueberries. You're hand picking? You're hand picking them oh. and they're tiny, right? So yeah. it's, it's a lot of work, but it's super gratifying and, um, yeah, the olive imagine. oil from fresh picked olives is incredible. You just can't, you can't beat it, right? Are you gonna open that with a knife for real? Is this the way to do it? Yeah, I think it's the professional way to, to open a can with a knife. How would you have opened that? Would I'd you just pull it? I would probably would have picked <laughs> up a key. This is what happens when you're not a chef, you know, you just gotta make it up. You open up your can. This stuff is so with... good though. You gotta try some. Just the level of pickledness. I can't eat. I cannot eat your 30-day challenge. Oh, I got. I'm now no. in abundance mode. At least try one of the collies. Collies are really good. I will. Okay. Yeah. All right. If you hear the sound of chewing, it's because I actually am <laughs> chewing. Let me try this. Oh, it smells great. The vinegar. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost like a dill pickle. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Or maybe that's what it is. I don't <clears throat> even know. A little spice too. Oh, I love the kick. Yeah. That kit comes in at the end. It came in real good at the end, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Mmm, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a garlicky So kit. that'll be my vegetable for this, this meal, just that little thing. That's perfect. That's all you need. Yeah. And then how long do the potatoes roast? They've been smashed. You've added the olive oil, the herbs. They need a kind of a lot of time. They need, like, that much time. 20 minutes. They just do a simple, nothing fancy. whatever eggs I don't think I'll ever go back though even to buying eggs from even buying like pastured eggs from like a vital farms which mm -hmm. is a good company uh, why would I when all my friends now have eggs have backyard there's, chickens. there's no point to me mm -hmm. to, to ever go back because you can't beat the pastured level of like a, a homesteaded backyard I don't think when the chickens are loved and talked to and they each have an individual name and the name is written on the egg. Yeah, the name's I written mean, on the egg. You, yeah. You can't, kind of can't go backwards from that. Plus the true omnivorous nature of these birds versus like even maybe a pastured farm-raised bird. I don't even know. I can't mm -hmm. say for sure, but 
I know what these ones ate. Mm -hmm. Super balanced diet. Bugs, collard, tree, tree collards. Oh, I love tree collards. Yeah. Does I got she some have outside. her tree collard plant right next to her chicken coop too? She, um, it's close, but it's not right it's next close. to it. Yeah. Look how big that yolk is. I know. It's incredible. <laughs> That's huge. That's a fat yolk. Wow. That's going to give you eye. the serious calories that you need. <laughs> this might be more than 72 calories, which is the average for an egg. Somehow I know that. Okay. Okay. Rule number two in Kevin's cooking. Yeah. Crack the egg on the side of the stove. <laughs> Open the can with the knife. Crack the egg on the side of the stove. It's not efficient or it's efficient, but it might not be clean. How do you like your eggs cooked? Usually what I do is I mix them in a bowl and then I heat the pan to low. And then mm -hmm. I put the oil in or whatever I'm cooking it in. And then I, um, this one will be like almond style, but then I pull the sides and let the uncooked yolk fill it or the uncooked mixture fill it. And so then you almost never have to flip because you can cook everything by spilling it into the empty sections. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's yeah. kind of how I do it too. Yeah. I am a lover of an overcooked egg. Oh, like super hard yolk? Yeah. Yeah. Or really fluffy scrambled eggs. Really fluffy scrambled is super good, but you need a lot of butter to do that, right? Uh, you know what I do? do People do? tease me. Yeah. When I make scrambled eggs, I whip the crap out of them. Oh, so you just air fluff them. I air fluff them. I put them in a bowl and I use a whisk. Yeah. And I whisk them until my arm is done. So and does it really, how airy will it volumize up to? It makes them to? really fluffy. So you can Ooh. take two eggs and make them look like four eggs. I like that. I like that yeah, idea. Yeah, it's kind of fun. You know what? Maybe that'd be good for me. I make my stomach feel more full, right? I, I don't know if it makes you feel more full, but it definitely changes the texture. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that. And then I believe we are done with the potatoes now. Okay, so the eggs, the eggs are ready. The, the potatoes are basically ready. Garden air is on the plate. Take these guys out. Smashed potatoes coming out of the oven after roasting. Okay, so put them on the plate. See how they, they'll, they'll crisp up though? Yep. Especially if they yeah, they're really beautiful. all the way cooked. Eggs with just a little salt, because you gotta have some salt. Boom. Now we can just eat it. Problem solved. And it's amazing. And it's delicious. It's very simple, but everything on the plate was made, grown, or traded for by me. So I know exactly where it came from, you know? And it tastes better for it. It might even be, just be placebo effect, but it does. <laughs> <laughs> the eggs definitely taste better. And the potatoes, that to me is, is just psychologically satisfying. Because I, I know exactly how long those took to grow. All the things I had to do to make them grow. I had to harvest, you know what I mean? Just the whole process. And you can say, I did that. From scratch. From scratch. From your tiny yard, which I'm posting pictures of. <laughs> if no one has seen Kevin's garden. Or you bartered for it. You know what's hilarious is everyone says, oh, your garden's so small. It's the biggest garden I've ever had. I've never had one bigger than this. So whenever I, when I hear it, I'm like, well, it feels really big though. Because <laughs> I don't live in the countryside. I don't have an acre. All, it's all relative. It's so funny, yeah. But yeah, that's it. Meal from scratch. Awesome. Cool. Boom. Boom. This wraps up part two of my conversation with Kevin. 
See photos from my day with Kevin on the podcast website, growwhatyoulove.love. There you'll find images of the canned goods he's bartered for, the smashed potatoes that we made, which were amazing. And of course, you can find more information about Kevin himself, um, including information on his book. And be sure to follow Kevin at Epic Gardening on Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Give it a thumbs up if you like it. And please leave a review. I'd like to start off by thanking my sponsor, the fabulous team at Gilmore Garden and Watering. Again, this episode would not have been possible without their help. I'd also like to thank Kevin for his time and the Apocalypse Challenge Cooking Fund, Kevin Basel for Sound Engineering, Disher Sound, Resonant Recordings, and Lauren Siri, Julie Harris-Walker, Lassa Dracovich, Josh Murphy, Laura Ling, and thank you to all of you. May you now all see potatoes with fresh eyes. No pun intended. A little bit to make this. Because I gotta boil, you know, the potatoes and stuff. Yeah. And then roast them. So it's like at least like 45 minutes, I would say. Okay. Yeah, is let's, that okay? Let's or? just try it. Yeah, yeah. Let's start now. And yeah, I'll, yeah. I can help you. What so, excuse me, part of this might be um, giving me some jobs. Okay. Yeah. 